0: Years ago, uh, well, it was actually, I've been married, I have to think about it, 35 years. And uh, so 36 years ago, I bought a 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. It was in pretty rough shape. And uh, I I, I redid the entire body. I was laid off in the winter for a couple of months, needed something to do. I redid all the bodywork, replaced some pieces, lots of Bondo. I eventually painted it. Uh, It looked great. It was candy apple red. I remember that. I also rebuilt the engine. And uh, if you think I'm amazing, it's just that Volkswagen Beetles were really simple for me. And I rebuilt the engine and it ran like a top. But you know what I did? I sold it. And uh, you're going, you sold it? All that work? Why? Because it was something more I loved. I was dating my wife, Carolyn, at the time. And I wanted to get engaged to her, and I had no money. I was unemployed at that moment, and I had no money to buy an engagement ring. So I sold the Volkswagen Beetle. It didn't even bother me. You know why? Because my love for my wife was greater. And I sold the Beetle, and I was able to get engaged to my wife, and it's been 35 blissful years, if you believe that. Seriously. We're two human beings. We can get on each other's nerves sometimes. But I want to just say that there are some of you that are here today, and eventually the service will be online. You might be watching online, and I just want to say that you might be in your heart hanging on to something so tight, something in this world that you're hoping for relief, pressure, to relieve pressure for peace, for hope. And I want to tell you, two weeks after I sold that beetle, the guy that bought it got in an accident, totaled it off it ended up in a junk heap. And I just want to say to you where is your love and hopefully it's to your spouse but even greater than that is we are a church and we just saw God showing up in people's lives. God wants to show up in your life. But honestly and truly sometimes our hearts are divided. And we have other things that are more important than him. And those things can't give us hope like he can. They can't transform us like he can. They can't give us truth like he can. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What is your faith journey? What is your faith journey? I remember years ago my wife had a conversation. It was in my first church now. It was a very young church in Tumbler Ridge, and uh, a lot of the people were from other churches. So, I mean, they'd moved there, and they weren't alliance, and they came from other faith backgrounds and traditions. Some of it was that, but she was kind of off in the distance, and she overheard a group of ladies talking. And one of the ladies said it loud enough, and I don't think she meant for my wife to hear, but she said it loud enough that uh, uh, she said, Why does Pastor Anthony always go on about being born again? Why is he always calling people to make a decision for Jesus? I have always been a Christian. I was born in a Christian family, and I was born as a Christian, and I am always still a Christian, and I've never turned back. Why is he always harping on that? And maybe you're here this morning, and you kind of have some of those same thoughts and beliefs. And I want to just challenge you a little bit this morning on that because I believe the Bible teaches a different narrative. I believe the Bible teaches that there are no grandchildren in the Lord. Oh, by the way, my, one of my granddaughters three weeks ago prayed to receive Jesus. And my other granddaughter, the little sister of that one, prayed to receive Jesus yesterday. So I'm thrilled I'm excited because I believe this is the narrative, this is the theology, this is the teaching of Scripture. Now, we're part of what's called the Christian Missionary Alliance, and I want you to understand I am a big C Christian. That's who I follow. I am part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which I would say the alliance small little a. I would be the first to abandon ship under certain circumstances with the denomination. Because I follow Jesus. So don't get me wrong as I want to talk this morning. But uh, our series this morning comes out of the next four weeks, comes out of what we call the fourfold gospel. And by the way, if you search fourfold gospel on the internet, uh, you can come across Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there's lots of books written about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four big books about Jesus in the New Testament. And so don't confuse it for that. But the fourfold gospel that the Alliance has been a part of, by the way, there's a few other groups that kind of grabbed onto that. Uh, But the fourfold gospel we talk about, when you come in the main doors, you walk across an emblem that we had put into the floor when the building got built, and it's Jesus Christ is our Savior, Jesus Christ is our Sanctifier, Jesus Christ is our Healer, and Jesus Christ is our coming King. Now, within the Alliance, A.B. Simpson, who was a Canadian, grew up in, was born in Nova Scotia, lived there for a while, then moved to Ontario as a teenager. But A.B. Simpson, who started the Christian Missionary Alliance in New York City, he did not start out to start a denomination, by the way. He did not start out to start churches. He had a passion for the lost. And it was born out of his own experience. And he also had a passion for the deeper Christian life. Again, born out of his experience. Now, the fourfold gospel, the Alliance would never claim it's the whole gospel. But the Alliance feels and has felt for years that it is four items or areas where the church constantly drifts away from. And Jesus is salvation. If you study the scriptures, I believe it'll become super clear that Jesus is salvation and that we need to be born again. And so as I looked at that this morning, I thought, well, man, I've got to look at really what's going on. And it just seems like it always fits, but the elders and I were reading in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, and it says, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience. And careful instruction, in fact, other scripture passages say, with gentleness and love. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Oh man, when I read those words, I say to myself, Oh God, protect me from my itching ears. And I think all of us, if you're like me, when I read that passage, I always think of it as a, well, it's going to be obvious. They're going to get more and more liberal. They're going to say that sin isn't sin anymore, and on and on we go. But, but what, if you're it, what if you were a legalist? What if you were a person that says, well, Jesus saved me, but, but no, I have to do this and this and this, or I won't be saved. I mean, the book of Galatians, by the way, was written against that. But what if the, and these itching ears, these people came around and said, well, I know Pastor Anthony's been telling you you're saved by grace and not by works from Ephesians 2. However, you need to be doing this, this, and this. in order. You know, our itching ears, we need to pray that the Spirit will enlighten us as we read the Word. You don't know how many times my devotions in my mornings, whether it's with the elders or by myself, how many times it's protected me from error how it's protected me from my itching ears. And I am convinced that the fourfold gospel will keep the Alliance on track if we keep holding to some of these teachings. Now, A.B. Simpson grew up in what we understand was, and and I don't want to be judgmental, but um, he grew up in a really strict Calvinist family. Now, when I mean strict Calvinist, I mean five-point Calvinist, if you know what that is. I mean, a type of Calvinist family that didn't believe man had any free will at all. And his parents wouldn't actually tell him about Jesus and to be born again because they wanted God to draw him. I mean, they were that paranoid of trying to get in the way of God that they actually didn't even let God use them. (coughs) And A.B. Simpson eventually, I believe at about 14 years of age, In reading a book, he came to this conversion experience. He even wrote up, and this is a guy who's driven, he even wrote up a little commitment to God in prayer that he kind of, it was his life motto. But at 17 years of age, he had a bit of a nervous breakdown. He was preparing for ministry by 14 on, by the way, in in Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, he had a nervous breakdown because he was studying so hard. And he read another book that talked about sanctification, which is something we're going to get to uh, next Sunday, I believe. Jesus, Savior, sanctify Yeah, It's next Sunday. And he read about sanctification, and he realized that it's God's power in him that he can't do anything for his salvation. And he has, what he said at that time, a, a real conversion experience. Now, A.B. Simpson had some further experiences in sanctification that began to reinforce the deeper Christian life. And A.B. Simpson also had medical issues, and God miraculously healed him of a heart condition. And finally, God really began to convince A.B. Simpson that the church always forgets that Christ will return and his return is as we in the alliance like to use big words sometimes his return is imminent it is going to happen and it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye and we better be ready our hearts better be ready we better not be putting our hope on Volkswagen beetles 1968 beetles that are candy apple red and it looked so good and two weeks later was smashed honestly we have a tendency to justify our experiences From the Bible instead of getting our experiences from the Bible and I want to challenge you today as we looked at Jesus is salvation or the whole John chapter 3 concept that we need to be born again I want us to go and look in the Bible so I asked the Lord so what should I use what should I preach this morning has anybody ever heard of the Romans Road oh A few? Not very. Come on, put up your hand if you heard of the Romans Road. Okay, if you search that on the internet, you'll find it. And there's about 400 renditions of it. And I have my own version that I've kind of taken from other people and written it out. Guess what? We're going to go through the Romans Road. Now, I've got two purposes for this. Number one, I want us to be theologically clear what salvation is, that Jesus is salvation. I want us to know that. Number two, I want you to have a tool... And, and this is, by the way, you might be going, I'm so afraid and, uh, and I don't want to tell people that I'm a Christian. Well, sometimes I get that because we're not popular. We stand for some things people don't like. But the scripture says not so much to go out there and be grabbing people by the neck and telling them to repent and believe. But it's saying be ready to give an answer for the hope and the faith you have. So I want you to have a tool. It's one of a hundred. Even if you memorize John chapter 3, you would have a good tool. But we're going to go through a very quick rendition of the Romans Road. And so if you would turn in your Bibles to Ooh, I skipped over a whole bunch of stuff. And yet I was so long winded still. If you turn into Romans chapter three, verse twenty three. And we will discover as we look at Romans chapter three, twenty three, that sin is a problem. And it's not a problem just for a few people, but it's a problem for everyone. This is a hard issue, and we're going to start to see that unfold. We, oh, I love, especially the first video we watched, that very first one at the beginning of the service, you know, how, how people will just, like, they just want to hang on. They, they don't believe they need God. They don't think it's a big issue. And, boy, once you come to this issue of, of, of submission to God, putting your hope and faith in God, you go, what was I thinking? What was I doing? But sin is everyone's problem. Listen to this, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned, not just a few, not just, you know, this, this sort of idea that I was born into the church. No, the scriptures say that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Now, you could read the second part of that verse. We're not going into that yet, but that's going to be something we're going to talk about because Jesus had an answer to this problem. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Many of us love to compare ourselves to other people, and we say, well, we're not as bad as Anthony. I mean, I don't have a love for a Volkswagen Beetle. I'm not into cars. I don't know. What's your heart thing? What's your issue? Uh, We love to... Uh, look at others and say, well, I'm not as bad as everybody else. But the scripture is clear, biblically, theologically, and I could have chosen 400 verses to declare this. All of us have sin in our hearts. John Calvin, 400 plus years ago, he, he came up with these words and he says, we are totally depraved, every part of us. The reason we even do good is depraved. We do good because you scratch my back, I scratch your back. And John Calvin said, without the Spirit in you, it is not possible to do pure goodness. And I would say my old nature often comes up, and even the things that I think I'm doing in the Spirit, God reminds me, you're doing that for the wrong reason, Anthony. Romans 6.23 kind of adds more onus to this whole thing. It says, for the wages of sin, so, so not only are we all affected or infected, but it's really clear. There is one clear example that sin affects everybody. Do you know anybody that lives forever? Anybody? Well, okay, there's one biblical guy who was taken up into heaven, okay. Oh, we know Jesus was raised from the dead, but he died first. Do you know anybody who hasn't died? Okay, you haven't died. It's coming. I mean, it kind of befuddles me, it kind of confuses me. The world has the best example that sin has entered the world. And you know what? Some of us maybe need to tell you, you know why sin is here? I mean, the more they study, man, they go, well, we should be able to just keep rejuvenating, keep running. Because sin entered the world, It, it began to wreak havoc in creation, including ourselves. For all have sinned, and for the wages of sin is death. And there's the second half of that verse, and we'll get into that. When I was in grade 12, I was sent to Vancouver to represent my high school in Fort St. John North Peace Senior Secondary. I was to represent 1,200 students. You're going, oh, Pastor, I could see that was a good choice. No, 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 no. If you see anything good in me now, you couldn't see anything good in me then. I don't mean that I was an evil person. I was a slacker. Oh, my. I mean, I did, I did as much work as I could to get 50% to no more. In fact, most of my marks, I, there was a few, I like math, it just came naturally, I got B's and A's, but I just got 50% math, I didn't have to do the homework, so it was easy. I got 50%. They sent me there to represent school, and you're going, well, that's incredible, what were they thinking? Exactly. The truth is, nobody else applied. Me and my friend, Kerry, were the two guys, and Kerry, he was a little bit better, not as much a slacker as me, but pretty much, and here we went off to this great intellectual education conference at University of British Columbia. And I remember showing up there. There was all these really smart kids from all over the province and then there was my friend and I. And we kinda like tried to stay awake during the presentation. I don't even, I actually don't remember what was presented. I was kicking my, like thinking, what was it, what was I don't remember. That's how good of representatives we were. And we were supposed to come back and present to school, never did. I mean, I was the underachiever, remember? I just didn't fit into that crowd. And some of us, we go, well, we can fake it, we can try. And we did. I tried to fake it so well. And I think most people there thought we were smart. We weren't. I mean, and I don't mean smart. I mean, can I reason well? Can I problem solve? Sure, I could. But I never applied myself academically. I had a grade 5 English level in grade 12. And I know that because my great 12 English teacher told me that. She was so loving and kind. Well, she told the truth. When Adam and Eve sinned, it got embedded in all of our souls. And we really, I, the book of Romans chapter 1, it's so good. It, it just says, we're not going to go there, but Romans 1 really says that it actually is written in our hearts that we're not doing well that we're not fitting or, or we're not what we should be. And I'm just telling you, if you don't know Jesus yet, you haven't let your heart release yourself to him yet, uh, you're still in love with the Volkswagen Beetle or maybe a girl or a guy, and you're just going, well, maybe someday I'll love Jesus, maybe someday. We honestly, I think, deep inside know We need something to change us, for we are sinners in need of a Savior. And I want to be frank and honest what the Scriptures teach. Humanity's only hope, or best hope, whatever way you want to put it. I I don't want to lie, that Volkswagen Beetle brought me some pleasure. But it's fading. It's rust and moth eat and destroy. Humanity's hope is in Jesus alone. Well, humanity's hope is in, oh, you thought your job, your money, your bank account, your house, that was your hope? Uh, We've had some people in our church, their house burnt down. And I've seen their Facebook posts, and they said, you know, I I realized that my life was bigger than that house that burned down. And they were able to get a house rebuilt, and everything's fine now. But humanity's hope is in Jesus alone. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God had a plan from the beginning. As you read the oldest books in the Bible, you know, Genesis, by the way, isn't said to be the oldest book, but if you read some of the oldest books in the Bible, some of the prophetic books like Isaiah and stuff, you will find Jesus, even in the book of Genesis, Jesus is there. Right from the very beginning, you might go, well, why did it take so long till Jesus came? Because the time needed to be right. And right from the beginning, Jesus is there. I mean, Isaiah 9.6, Isaiah 53, really clear examples, prophetic examples of Jesus coming. We honestly are all in an age where ideas or truths, any idea or truth, they're supposed to be just equal with each other. And we're now getting into that age where if I don't say your truth is equal to my truth or your thinking or choices are equal to my... Like, if I disagree with you, then I must hate you. But my problem is is because when I read the Scriptures... I read there's a lot of things bad for my soul. There are, are ways that I have been created before the fall that need to be fulfilled. And so much of what we do here on earth, It just when you give your heart to Jesus, when you finally say, okay, my hope is in Jesus, you will spend the rest of your life realizing there's a lot of other stuff you've got to quit putting your hope in. Because it lets you down. And you will make it. You will thrive. You will be filled with peace. You will make it through a pandemic, whether you think it's fake or not, but you will make it through it if Jesus is your hope. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so one of those truths today is this idea that God is love, and yes, he is. In fact, I posted that on Facebook this morning. God is love, but this loving God, he's so loving that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to fix the problem. He did not create it, by the way. Adam and Eve started. Satan was kind of egging it on. He had already fallen, and then he convinced Adam and Eve to fall to kind of go after their own hearts, put their hope in things that they shouldn't put their hope in, instead of a relationship with God. Uh, their relationship with God was basically they were put out of the Garden of Eden. They, they were estranged from God. They could no longer go to the source of hope and feet, peace to the creator of this universe. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. By the way, in today's world, in today's thinking, that is so bombastic. That is so offensive. Jesus can't claim that he's the only way to God. I, I Even as I think as a Christian about that, I think, why couldn't he claim that? I, I like to repair. I, I have an old 20-year-old car that I bought a couple years ago. I've been slowly fixing it up, and... It keeps needing parts, and uh, it's one of those things, something's wrong, I keep throwing parts at it. A little while ago, I ordered a part off Amazon. That might have been my mistake, but I got the part. It didn't fit in the car where it was supposed to fit. And I tried every which way. I thought, am I doing it wrong? It it just didn't fit. It wasn't the solution to my problem. And when we read the Scriptures, we start to understand what the problem is And God, in his love, what the solution is. And his solution is Jesus. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is restoration to God. Jesus is reconciliation. John 14, 6. Just reminding you again. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So hopefully you're tagging along with me. You're theologically running with me. And I want to just now, here's the third in the Romans Road. How do we receive this hope in Jesus? So hopefully, you're okay, I get it that we're all sinful. I get it that Jesus is the only way. So how do we receive a Romans ten thirteen. one of the Romans Road? For everyone, listen to this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who, you know, this is a hard issue. And with some of my previous comments talking about what the problem is, you might go, well, it's a really tricky, complicated solution. It isn't. It's just taking your heart and saying, I believe in Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10, uh, kind of another scripture that goes with how do you receive this hope. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. By the way, this kind of hits two issues. (coughs) It deals with what's really believed on the inside of you. And then you have to actually tell people on the outside because if you only have one without the other, it's not completed. Like if I really believe something in my heart but I never tell anybody, do I really believe it? Or, Or if I am really good at just spouting out words, I remember when I was walking my stepfather through all of this. He was in Prince George in the hospital, and I just had to know if he was a believer. And and he started telling me, he said, well, I received Jesus at my catechism, and I'm going, Dad, those were just words. And then he looked at me with his finger, and he said, have you ever known me to say words when I didn't believe it? And I said, actually, no, I haven't. You always, you're a man of conviction, I said. You see, the two things have to come together. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's... My text jumped. Anybody knows, I say it every week, anybody knows how to shut that jump stuff off on the iPad, please come in right after the service and you can help me and show me. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This isn't a secret handshake or a psychology test with big words that you have to pass. Your heart needs to give up yourself. You need to say, I have my hope in nothing else but Jesus. And you need to believe, and you need to tell somebody about it. The heart thing is about admitting you're a sinner. It's saying, okay, God, I, I recognize, I, I hear what the Bible says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I, I, I realize I'm not connecting with you at all. And, and in my heart, I'm going to say, I, I do believe Jesus died on the cross, and he died for my sins. The very first sermon recorded by Peter, the very first sermon ever recorded after Jesus died, it's in the book of Acts chapter 2, and, and Peter is talking to the Jewish people, his own people, and he's listing through a bunch of stuff that's happened. And, and he, just before he gets to the point where the people cry out, he, he starts listing off sins. Uh, uh, the prophet Jesus came and you killed him. And he even says, you even killed some other prophets. I mean, he, he's just nailing it. He, he's talking about their kind of people-group sin. He's confessing on his own. And, and I want to tell you, we all have people-group sins. And you might go, well, I'm not like the Jews. Well, you might not be. But we in North America, we, we Canadians, we've got our group sins that we do. And, and Peter preaches it. And he proclaims it. And the people cry out, oh, Peter. What must we do to be saved? I I know I'm a sinner. And and by the way, if you understand what the scriptures say, one sin. Reading scripture, who is God again? Oh, he created the heavens and the earth, so he's pretty powerful. And everything holds together perfectly, so he's obviously perfect. And and everything is kind of supposed to have its place and its order. And it isn't that he doesn't give freedom in that, because he does, but this is our God who's incredible and holds everything together, and he is perfect. And when the people cried out, when they realized that they really weren't as godly as they thought they were, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, a bunch of theology in that that I won't get into about the baptism part. It, it has to do with the public confession with your mouth. Believe in your heart and stand up and confess, and baptism's a part of that. Heart change and your words, <laughs> it's so important. When I had young children, I used to always say to them, and I get into this habit, and I see my daughter cringe because I have a couple of grandkids here, they'll be screaming and crying when they were kids, my kids. And I'll be going, use your words. I don't know what crying and screaming means. You know, like, did your arm get, I mean, I I would go, did your arm get cut off? Are you missing an eye? And they'd be like, they'd get so mad at me. And I say, use your words. You know, we, we have to use our mouths. We have to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Do you see your need of Jesus this morning? Is he where you're putting your hope? And before I ask or, or push you to pray a prayer or anything, I, I want to go just a little bit more. I want to give you some really good kind of convicting stuff. In the Romans road, why you should pray and receive Jesus today. I want to show you what happens when you believe in Jesus. And for a lot of us, we will. I don't want all the rules. I don't want to, no, no, that's nothing of it. I mean, the rules or the things we do as Christians, it's just being who we are in Christ. Now, God will change your heart when you're born again. And and if you keep living like the devil, like your old nature, you're going to be miserable. And, And so we do the right things. We live righteously because it's who we are now. And it's the nature that right at the beginning before the fall we had, it's the nature that's now restored. Our heart of stone is taken out, our heart of flesh put in, and we are somebody different. So, yeah, we we do live a little differently, but don't get hung up on that. What happens when you believe in Jesus, listen to this, we get peace with God. Uh, We have a relationship with God. We are restored to him. You know, he used to go walking every evening with Adam and Eve in the garden. God wants to walk with you every day now. He wants to talk and speak peace into your life. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Friends, God is is love. He has peace, and we desperately need his love, and we need his peace. It's a peace that won't fade. It's a peace that won't go away. It's a peace that will outlive a pandemic, whether real or not. It's a peace when you're locked up at home because somebody near you tested positive. It's a peace that you can have and access, and God will talk to you and walk with you. We will actually miss him once we pray to receive Jesus. It's written in our hearts, and do you feel it? Oh, second benefit of praying to receive Jesus, we get eternal life. Notice I said that second, because it used to be the preachers would stand up here, you're going to go to hell and burn in hell for eternity. Yeah, it is true, actually. But I'm not going to motivate you to come to Jesus because of that. But I want to tell you that if you say and with your heart and your mouth that you receive Jesus, you will have eternal life. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the gift of God is eternal life in jesus Uh, there was once a man and i'll finish with this story there was once a man who lived in a two-story house the house was near a river and unfortunately the river began to flood you maybe have heard this story before i couldn't think of any better one, so i had to use it as the river rose warnings were given via radio tv uh the internet everything the cell phones were buzzing large jeeps drove through the area to evacuate people as a jeep drove by the man's house he was told You are in danger. Your life is at stake. You must evacuate. Get in the jeep. Let us help you evacuate. No, the man replied from his doorstep. I have faith. I will be okay. The flood won't get me. God will take care of me. The water continued to rise, unfortunately. Soon the man was on his second floor. A boat was going through the area and arrived at the man's house. Rescuers made every effort to convince the man to take action so that his life would be saved. You're in danger, they said. Your life is at stake. You will Drown in the flood. No worries, said the man. I have faith. Everything is okay. Even though the flood is rising, I will be fine. God will take care of me. The flood continued to rise. The man went to the roof to avoid the rising water. And a helicopter pilot sees him on top of the roof and hovers over the man. Using a megaphone, the pilot tries to convince the man to grab the rope ladder, which is dangling just above his head. You are in danger. The flood is still rising. You will drown if you do not grab the rope ladder. Let us help you. No worries, says the man. I will be fine. Yes, the flood is higher. But I have faith God will take care of me. The flood rises and the man drowns. At the pearly gates, the man says to God, I had faith and you let me die. To which God replies, I sent you a jeep, a boat, and a helicopter. What more could I have done for you? Let me finish with these words. You're a sinner, and Jesus is our Savior. And all you need to do is pray a prayer with your lips and your heart, and you will be saved. You will have eternal life. And I want to ask you now to bow your heads. And I would like everybody here to actually repeat after me the words so that if somebody is new and feeling awkward, they won't feel too out of it. But just repeat after me these words. Dear Lord Jesus. Oh, come on. I'm going to go sit down if you can't be a little better than that. Okay, let's try that. Dear Lord Jesus. I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, please come and tell somebody. Tell me. Come up to the front and tell me. I just want to tell you that Jesus is the Savior. And he is the only hope that you can put your trust in. Everything else fades. Everything else might let you down.